Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soul Sessions. Welcome back. Today, we are talking about or continuing our series on the uh, psychology of coaching. And this is segment number three. Behaviorism. We're talking about motivation and behaviorism. And yeah, all those uh, related topics, which are habits, uh, addictions, mm. behavior modification. Fun stuff. All that, yes. that good stuff. And so um, one of the things we want to, the reason we're doing this series mm. is because a lot of people think psychology is just about therapy, but psychology actually affects so much of our life. Uh, Businesses use psychology, uh, organizational psychology for teams and mm-hmm. uh, advertising. Um, we use uh, uh, psychology's use on social media, as you may have seen the that social media um, show they have on Netflix. What was it called? The show, Social Experiment or something? Something like that, yeah. And uh, so they're talking about how we th- they're really designed to create habits uh, for people and get you addicted to different things and we're very addictive people so that's the, the be, dark side of the it. dark side of it <laughs> so we're going to talk about all those things today yeah. of what causes us to be um in these kind of bad habits or habits that we feel stuck in how do we liberate ourselves how do we motivate ourselves to change yeah. and we're going to talk about pavlov's dog and skinner and all the fun uh, ideas about that came through the study of behaviorism there's also some great uh, positive things mm-hmm. uh, uh, in education of course when uh, parents and teachers talk about time out oh yeah they're talking behaviorism mm. basically uh, so education is yes uh, how we learn mm-hmm. how uh, athletes are rewarded mm-hmm. very powerful uh, mechanisms mm-hmm. of, uh, or principles of behaviors. Getting people, uh, behavior, getting kids to, parenting to, getting your child to. Without having to spank them and those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. So let's talk about what is behaviorism. How would you describe it? Yeah, so a little bit of the history goes back to Pavlov. And Pavlov noticed, uh, he's a Russian physiologist. He mm-hmm. wasn't a psychologist. But he was looking at... Um, uh, working with dogs, and he noticed that the dog uh, started salivating whenever he walked into the room, basically. Uh, so he started to set up experiments to see what is the dog queuing into that makes him salivate mm. so much uh, before the, even the food is presented. Mm-hmm. So he found that principle of classic, what's called classical conditioning now, where our mind tends to pair things up. Mm. So if something happens when something else is present, mm-hmm. guess what? Your mind is going to associate those things and and it's going to automatically be in there that you associate, or, or for example, the dog was associating the ringing of a bell with the receiving of food. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when the bell rings then, he already starts to salivate, meaning mm-hmm. he's prepared for the food. Mm. And that is going on 
not only in dogs, but in every organism, the pairing of uh, stimuli. And I, I find it interesting with behaviorism is that in a way, our, the way our brain works is it's always trying to warn us ahead of things. I think that's what that classical conditioning is to protect us and mm. keep us. So, um, you know, when I was in hypnotherapy school, they told me the story about the cavemen. Two cavemen go into the uh, on the hunt, and um, one of them, uh, there's a rustle in the bush, and a tiger jumps out and kills his buddy and uh, in front of him, and he freaks out. He f- has that flight, fright, or freeze. Uh, he freezes, and then he gets scared, and then he runs away. Um, and so then the next time he goes out to hunt, um, he's fine. Everything's good. He's thinking about his buddy, and he's like, oh, you know, hope that tiger doesn't come out again. But then he hears a rustle in the bush, and immediately that fight-or-flight response happens. And so his body and mind is responding to that stimuli and associating it with his like a danger and then when he realized the bird flew out, then he was relaxed again. So think about everything in our life that we're triggered around is that we're making assumptions based on something that was early conditioned in us to respond to things. Absolutely. So positive and negative. So there's certain things that make us feel good and we don't know why. And there's certain things that make us scared and we don't know why. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are, there are some ideas to why. Uh, if you think about survival uh, from the evolutionary perspective, it, it's a perfect mechanism for, for animals to go through their life without having to think through things. Mm. Because if you move towards what feels good, what gives you comfort, what gives you nourishment, uh, and move away from what gives you pain uh, or discomfort, you tend to survive. Mm-hmm. You, st- you tend to stay out of trouble and to find the good things for yourself, to take so, care of yourself. So this mechanism helps us find those pleasant and unpleasant yeah. to keep uh, without our, our conscious uh experience you know like a choice or our our will basically it's like our body is responding and i found it interesting that the man the caveman didn't he didn't need to see the tiger it was like the (laughs) what was stored was the the moment before the tiger so just like the with pavlov's dog it's the bell that wasn't the food but the bell preceded the food so it's like the the mind stores it because we know every time that happens this is the next thing that's going to happen so it's like predicting versus at the same time and what i would think that the mechanism for that is for survival so if we waited for us to get scared when the tiger it might be too late but the warning signs so a lot of us have these like anxieties and stress and it's from the stimulus that is happening from before right so as far as the definition uh we really need to talk about Skinner then to Mm -hmm. get to how we think about it now in psychology because the classical conditioning model was very basic and more interested in physiology. Mm -hmm. Whereas once Skinner came along, he took it to a whole other level. Mm. And ironically, it's very philosophical actually Mm. because if you think about conditioning, you start to question this idea of free will. Mm. If we're conditioned by our experiences, by the environment, in other words, uh, where does free will come in? 
are we really free if we're acting out of those experiences that have shaped our behavior? Mm. So let's talk about Skinner. Um, yeah. So Skinner comes along in... And he wasn't uh, very popular, like some of the things he did to... Because he did a lot of... Well, well, worked on a lot of animals. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, he was definitely controversial mm. because he was very insistent on making psychology an observable science, mm. a measurable behavioral science. Mm. So what that means is he started uh, he started saying or, or suggesting that we not look at what we call the mind. You don't worry because about Because you the can't thinking. see it. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can't measure it. Mm-hmm. So he said, why, why should psychology be uh, like the European psychology mm-hmm. at that time was basically Freud and, and his followers that followed him. Uh, very introverted, very uh, subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, you, your personal experiences are what's important. Uh, if Skinner wanted to uh, wrench psychology from that and say, no, let's make it a real science that can be measurable. Uh, that can be objective and observed and with observed. the five senses. Yes, like and everyone can see it. Yeah. And so, for a long time, I mean, in the forties, fifties, uh, even into the sixties, he was a big shot. Mm. He was not just on the on the fringes. Mm. Uh, he dominated uh, American psychology, especially mm. uh, for for a long time. And he came up with operant conditioning. Yeah, so he comes up with his, uh, a different idea than the classical conditioning model. Which is you're just, you're not doing anything, you're just reacting. And operant conditioning is where you have to take an action. Yeah, so he says if you look at the way we interact with the environment, we are emitting a, an action, mm-hmm. we're taking an action, and then the results that we get from the environment, meaning a positive or a negative... Uh, a reward or a punishment mm-hmm. that has a conditioning effect on us, and so it's our behavior that's playing into that conditioning. Not so just our mind records the response from our action. That's where right. classic is just you're just in the space, and this like random things happen, and thing you know someone with a loud noise. If your parent was loud, you didn't do anything, but you get that kind of jumpiness around loud people um, this is if i take an action if i speak up for myself and then there's a loud noise Ooh, i don't like that so it's you're you're participating in the conditioning in in a more active way very much so it, that it is a kind of a the organism is working in conjunction with the environment mm. and you can't really understand the the organism's behavior if you don't understand the environment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because essentially the way the organism reacts and acts is based on what the environment is feeding back to the organism. So this is how we train train our dogs <laughs> and cat. Like we can't really train a cat usually, but you, it's training and, mm-hmm. and conditioning our children to behave. Um, for us, to we learn the limits of where our our comfort zone is basically of what is what causes uh, other people to be mad or upset mm-hmm. uh what gives us a positive 
that uh, idea of positive reinforcement, that if we do something good, our parent would give us, oh, you get a little reward, and then the child will end up repeating it for the reward. And if they're punished, then the, the child would say, you know, I better not do that again. I better not write on the walls. Mom got really mad at that place. So we're learning that punishment reward. Um, and continuously. Continuously. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of coaching in, in mm. the coaching industry, there's a lot of that punishment reward. I look at, at, and we'll get into the limitations of this, but let's go deeper into that. It's really, um, when we're talking about that, it's an extrinsic motivation that we're tied to. Yeah, when you uh, talk about uh, behaviorism now, and it's still used widely, um, you have to think about what contingencies, in, in other words, what feedback are you getting from your actions? Mm -hmm. Is it a reward, a punishment, a mix, etc.? And then they look at schedules of reinforcement, like what's more effective if I reward myself uh, every time I do something, or if I reward myself mm -hmm. only and set certain goals at certain intervals, all those kind of uh, strategies, very powerful. We still know that it's, uh, let's say, conditioning. The mm -hmm. power of conditioning is one of the best um, documented phenomena in psychology still. Mm. And so think about just social media. You put a post up, and no one responds <laughs> and you're like you want to take it down you put a post up and you get a lot of likes it's like that positive reinforcement you're conditioned to maybe do more yeah. um people that start a business or, or, or want to ask the boss for a raise if they keep hearing no uh or someone who wants to move do something more with their life um think about like actors uh going out and auditioning and they keep getting no's no's oh, yeah. no's 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 a writer submitting manuscripts and you and after a while you're just like why am i doing this uh if you're not getting that reward and so if we just rely on that that operant conditioning most of us will just never really step outside of our, our have a new life have a change in our life because we're only going to do what feels good are you looking for a satisfying career that has meaning and purpose are you seeking a path of growth and wish you can have it all in one program. Well, our Jungian Life Coach program does just that. It gives you a new career as a certified life coach, as well as take you through our Jungian methodology to help you become your true self and make amazing transformation in your life and the lives of others. So visit jungianlifecoach.com, click on apply, and speak to an enrollment coach today where you can discuss your future your dreams and how to make it happen as a youngin life coach. New classes begin soon, so sign up today. Anybody that has tried to change a habit, mm -hmm. a long-standing habit, they come up against this powerful force called mm. conditioning. Mm. Uh, it's very difficult to make real lasting changes. Mm. Uh, you know about dieting. The mm. research shows I don't know, 3% of, of dieters actually uh, get good results. Or people that win the lottery, they lose the money, they waste all the money they get. Absolutely. Uh, though conditioning plays into not only habits, but addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, drugs, of course, have the, they're self reinforcing in a way. 
mm-hmm. that they make you feel good. They trigger pleasure centers mm-hmm. in, a, in the body and the, the mind body that are very powerful. Uh, they override a lot of the logical thinking. Um, well, I, it's interesting with addictions because it's a cycle because you feel deprived, so you want to feel good, so you take partake or imbibe mm-hmm. in food or drink, and then after that wears off, you feel guilty, and then you feel worse about yourself, and then the only thing you can do to feel better is to go back to that thing. And so it's a cycle of punishment-reward, punishment-reward, punishment-reward. It's um, And think about in life, uh, even um, the whole idea, we're conditioned to have a paycheck, uh, go yeah. and get your corporate job. Ma- Mama, uh, Papa Bear at the the company is going to take care of you. You hate your. They say like eighty six percent of people are actively disengaged with their work. Why do they go? They go because they're getting that paycheck at the end of the week. So it's like they'll do all these uncomfortable things, and but there's a motivation there. There's mm. something there. There's a positive reward, and I've seen so many people especially what we do with the coach training is we we get a lot of people that are in the corporate world and want to switch and work for themselves and it, it there's such in the habit of getting that paycheck to let go of that and to start something new and to build it themselves it takes a lot of courage and the the ego mind is always trying to like put you back to don't you want to like have that comfort and and then they end up um, and especially for me and a lot of the women that I, I've worked with over the years, mm. they make a lot of money in the corporate world. So it's like All the right. payoff for them to start over. And but I remember when I left, um, I, I, I that motivation for that paycheck was just wore off. It was like this isn't worth it. My life is worth something else i want to do something meaningful i don't care if i have to live in a tiny little apartment and sell my car and sell my beautiful condo and just you know cut back because i want to do something i love and so that was the reward so i found another kind of motivate something else to motivate me besides the old thing and that takes courage it takes and so um when we think about changing behavior um, and we don't think about the mind itself, and we just think in Skinner's terms, it really, if you think about how limiting that would be, it's like, I'm going to just eat differently, or I'm mm. going to work out every day, or I'm going to work really hard to build a business, but if there's no mind, and there's no meaning, and no heart into what you're doing, you're just reprogramming yourself for some other goal, and so yeah. it's, it, it is limiting in that way. Yeah, and uh, just to finish off uh, the the idea of uh, Skinner's work, uh, he wrote a couple of books that were really groundbreaking because he was questioning what is human dignity, what is freedom, the, mm. these ideas that we have about society. Mm. Uh, he was thinking maybe we could engineer society to where we can control behavior. <laughs> I think someone read that book. <laughs> I mean, you can see why he was controversial in some mm. regards. He he was talking about seriously thinking about engineering societies to make them better. Mm. I mean, his intention was to make it better, obviously. Mm. Where behaviorism ran into problems was that it couldn't address imagination. It couldn't address language it couldn't really address the deeper sense of ourselves Mm -hmm. as human beings because if you only focus on external behavior it's like you say then motivation is simply about obtaining some external goal and you're handing all all the power over to the external to 
tell you who you are mm. and how you're going to be. I, and, you know, a perfect example of that is I know a lot of people who went off and started their own business as mm. a coach uh, or a business coach, and they um, they leave their corporate job, and then they go and make build up their business, and they are really successful, but they're working twice, just as much as they were in the corporate job. They're not as fulfilled. And then, then all of a sudden, they you know, after they make a couple million dollars, they're like, I really want to... I got into coaching to help people and to do more deeper work and spiritual work. And then all of a sudden you see them pivot to do more of the spiritual work and to make that change. But then they're still like, but the, but the, but the business coaching is what's bringing in so much money. And how do I do that? And so I see a lot of people, they, they, they can do one thing, like change behavior to maybe not work in the corporate world, but they still haven't worked inside themselves to, to really find that meaning and purpose and what they're really doing. And so um, also that when we do um, change behavior and we don't include the mind, we're, we actually have to work harder mm. to change the, the shift of behavior. It just feels like we're working, we're working against this external mechanism and we're looking for that carrot that we're chasing all the time. And, um, and we're really, it's kind of like we're caught up in it and there's, it's stressful and it's hard. Yeah. Um, that's why I think when we do the inner work, a lot of uh, most coaches like start. You talk about inner work. That's when the change happens because we we can't just behave our way to um, mm. get our goal. Uh, a good example would be a dating coach. I see so many coaches out there that are dating coaches, but they're not really working on the mind or the person. They're saying, if you go out and go on 50 dates and if you have your profile look this way and you act a certain way and you know, you're going to get a positive response from someone. And so the woman or the man is connected or attached to that positive response from someone. They don't have, they're, they're not even being who they really are and they're just kind of getting that response. So they're kind of robots trying to get the prize but then is that prize what they really want who who am i and is the relationship what is going on underneath that so it's more complex than just behaving in a way so you'll you're good and then right. a guy will love you <laughs> you know if you do all the, the things that they tell you to do yeah and so that's why i got frustrated when i did uh was getting into the relationship coaching and when mm. i first started was there needs to be something else besides just changing behavior yeah, we know of, uh, just changing the behavior uh, often as soon as the environment goes back to the old environment, mm -hmm. uh, your behavior will revert back to mm. the old patterns. Uh, because again, you're, you're simply depending on external circumstances to, to kind of guide yourself by. I'd like to talk a little bit about negative reinforcement. You know, we talk about positive, like getting that result. Mm. But how many, um, let's talk a little bit about that someone who keeps getting that no, they, they audition or they try to start a business or they uh, try to lose weight and they're, they're kind of getting that negative response. They can kind of get into this place where they don't have power, this mm. powerless place. Well, yeah, that, that can be reinforcing for people as well. Uh, so if you think about somebody that the actor not getting the job, um, they could be invested in not succeeding mm -hmm. because staying in their comfort zone is reinforcing. Mm -hmm. Also, when you think about people that are anxious, avoiding situations to them is reinforcing. Mm. 
that meaning it it rewards them mm-hmm. because they successfully avoided anxiety provoking situations mm-hmm. so it it increases their anxiety mm-hmm. it, it like it they get more entrenched in that that response to life uh, being anxious and avoiding situations not taking risk not really going for success so even when they get a break they'll sabotage it mm-hmm. because they want to go back to their comfort zone mm-hmm. it's more reinforcing it's more pleasant for them to remain small and to play small than to have those big opportunities you know it's really um we just watched this it's on netflix the tiger woods series mm-hmm. and he was basically used they were using conditioning to get him to be this excellent player mm. like he practiced a lot he it wasn't his idea to play golf it was his father's and it was very interesting how he ended up sabotaging it because uh, and then you'll have to see the the series to to see. Yeah. Well, you know, he turns out he's better <laughs> yeah, again. But I, I but I love the 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 concept of him. He had to find himself. He had mm. to find his own uh, motivation within himself it, it, instead of just winning the game. It had to be more than that. And you know, I, that's why I see this a lot in the coaching industry. There's a lot of people. I mean, I know you probably all see it. Those are your coaches. Is everyone's talking about how much money they're making, but not how much lives they're changing? You know, and they're getting caught up just like they mm. did with the corporate world of the money and the the yachts and the fancy cars. And a lot of it is just fluff. And uh, and they're losing touch with their meaning, and they're working s- like crazy hours and and stretching themselves, and and just kind of chasing this kind of one day I'll 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 get there, and it'll it never it's never enough, and they keep up building, and then they look back, what am I doing? <laughs> and uh, so we all have to um, this this mechanism of conditioning is what is giving us pleasure, and is it really giving us our true self pleasure, or is it just our ego getting pleasure from it? Yeah. Um. I mean, for me, and and thinking about coaching, um, the behavioral model, and here I'm I'm speaking strictly of behaviorism, not cognitive behavioral, which Mm -hmm. is a different model we'll talk about next time, but just the the looking at observable behavior and trying to change that. Uh, The reason it didn't work or it doesn't work uh, as a coaching model is because it in essence it's saying we cannot really be free if you look at the model if if you look at skinner's work the ultimate conclusion is that we can never be free the only thing we can do is change the contingencies of the environment Mm. meaning change the pattern of rewards and punishments uh, but you're to, still operating in that dynamic. But still being conditioned. Mm. Yeah, in his model, in his model, we can never have real free will mm. because it, it, we're always depending on how the environment is going to respond to our actions. And in Eastern traditions, they talk about non-attachment, and that's the one uh, thing that we always have is yeah. that kind of. Uh, if we can let go of that temporary reward, we can free ourselves. But if we're cooked into it, it's it, it's like pulling us along. And most of us, I would say, they say the um, they did brain scans, and they said that we make a decision around eight seconds before unconsciously before we actually do it because our brain already has all the all the decisions already made so we're really trapped in 
And so that's why, um, you know, doing deeper work behind just changing behavior. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll be coaching with someone and they'll be like, well, maybe I'll do this or I'll, I'll, I'll stand up to, to, you know, this person and I'll take action and I'll tell my boss, you know, I don't care. And it's, it's like, great, but you're still hooked in. You still want some kind of result. You want your boss to say, I'm sorry, you're such a great person. And I made, I messed up, <laughs> you know, you're still kind of caught up and you think just shifting behavior and like moving objects out here is going to change your yeah. life. And that's, uh, yeah, and it's interesting that in the Eastern tradition uh, or the East, uh, the wisdom traditions, they were they were well aware of the conditioning mm. uh, force uh, at play in in the environment, uh, but the the way they conceptualize it is that you're only conditioned if you are attached to the result of your actions. Mm -hmm. They simply say. If you drop the attachment to the results of your action, you're free. Mm. And that's experimentally proven now. You, if you're not attached to getting a certain result from the action that you're taking, then the environment has no conditioning power over mm. you. So that is freedom. Mm. You're, you're free then to act despite the circumstances. And that, that's really the only freedom that we have. If you succeed by kind of creating those external goals for yourself all the time, then you're locking yourself up in that, in, in that uh, kind of conditioning model of that experience. Or that, if the external is the only thing that can motivate you, yeah. then you're really, from a spiritual standpoint, you don't matter. It's those uh, objects and material things that make you happy. And right. you know, if you think about Buddhism, they always say that that person doesn't make me happy or sad. That object isn't ice cream. Not making me happy. It's my mind. But in behaviorism, they don't even count that. They just assume you're just responding. You're responding. Now, um, extrinsic motivation is what you're talking about. Now, there. So, how do we motivate ourselves to change these habits? besides just changing behavior, is that we have to have intrinsic motivation. Yeah, so a simple way to think about it is, if you're working for the money, that's an extrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, the reward is out the, outside mm -hmm. of you. But if you're working for a higher purpose, that's an intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you're doing your actions and you're doing your best work, not just to get the money. I mean, the money will be there because... By principle, anytime you take an action, there is a result. Um, but that's not the primary motive for you. Mm. You're focusing more on creating something, right? An external, I mean, an internal vision that you have. You're working towards creating that. That's the higher purpose. And they actually did. Um, they did this, this famous uh, experiment where they uh, there was this kindergarten and uh, or preschool, I think it was. And uh, while the kids were waiting for the parents to pick them up, they would just have paper out. And so the kids would be, you know, just drawing and they were making all these cool like drawings mm -hmm. and they were really excited. And then the preschool teacher said, oh, I have a good idea. Since they love drawing, why don't we make it a contest and, and give a prize to them every time they, you know, whoever has the best drawing. And they thought that that would motivate them by getting, oh, and now I'm going to give you a prize on top of it. But what happened is it decreases their motivation. It yeah. actually made 
what they were doing work versus play. And so I want you to think about that for you is what's motivating you is if you have to wait for the prize, like if you, I have to celebrate when I lose 10 pounds, or if I make, you know, a certain amount of money by the end of the month and get 10 clients, if I'm a coach, uh, it'll feel like you're working. But if you're doing it because you love it, because you feel like, like I I always say, like, this is what you were meant to do. (laughs) I love to coach. I love to teach. Um, And you let go of the attachment to what that looks like. But you have goals and all those things, but you're not attached to them. It doesn't mean that you don't care about the goals or that you don't have goals. But the way you approach them is from a a place of play and creativity and from your heart. Then it, it just doesn't feel like work. That's right. And so that's where that intrinsic, you're, you're, the, the action itself gives you joy yeah. versus the result gives me joy. So you're taking that result out of the way and saying, I just love what I do. And it's so weird, but it, it seems counterintuitive. But when you take away the external motivation, you end up uh, feeling happier. You are wealthier, uh, even in relationships like dating. I, I always tell when I was doing a lot of dating coaching, I was like, just enjoy meeting people and, and just enjoy talking about, you know, getting and meeting interesting people. And this you, you never get this opportunity once you're married is to meet all these different interesting men and women and uh, go out to dinner and have fun. And, and if that process can be joyful versus Okay, he's not the one next. He's not the one next. Oh, I hate dating. I hate oh, dating. Oh, the swiping. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, it's so much work. I just can't wait for that that one guy to come. And it's like you're not even enjoying the process. How do you think that other person's going to feel mm-hmm. across from you? And I think that's what's missing in a lot of our life is that we don't have any meaning to what we're doing. We're just doing it for that goal. Yeah, we've certainly had our share of uh, working with people that uh, are very extrinsically motivated. They mm-hmm. they have certain goals in their life, and there's nothing wrong with, with having goals. Mm. Um, but in thinking about what really motivates you, what makes you tick, what makes you get up in the morning, and is it exciting for you? Mm. And most importantly, is it meaningful? Mm. Because a lot of these goals... They're just objects. They're just it's just money. It's just things. They don't really bring meaning to the individual. And maybe in the beginning there is that mechanism for that initial attachment. I mean, it does serve a purpose in a way, but you have to watch not to get too attached. And I remember when I first started, um, before you and I worked together, um, I was at this event and uh, the coach had all those successful coaches on the stage. And I remember uh, I was in the audience and I was like, oh, next year I'm going to be on that stage. I'm going to be one of his success stories. And I was so like, I'm going to be a millionaire coach and all this stuff. And good. And turns out the next year you and I started working together and he had me on stage and I had all the badges and I was like, here, this is what I've been working for. And then I was like, meh. This is what I've been working for. <laughs> like it was like, what? It, what was that about? It was all ego. It was all like I need to prove something, and I took the badge off and I put it down, and I had all like the VIP slaps on it, and you know, VIP and a speaker and all this stuff. And I said, I'm still me. And then <laughs> that's the point where I said, you know what? I got to do this a different way. Like I, I need a different motivation. This is not enough. Um, they call um, in the coaching industry, they, there's a, a term they call the seven figure blues. It's like everyone wants to get to that seven figure mm-hmm. mark. And then everyone I know who's gone there says, I got so depressed afterwards because 
it's not it's not really what I was looking for. I thought that was going to make me happy. Um, they also did some studies with people who um, uh, were like rock stars and they, you know, played in bands and they, you know, were in local clubs and they finally had their big hit in their 40s. And then they started doing drugs because they were like, this isn't not what it was meant to be. Like I was looking for that one day that I'll feel complete. Right. And um, and it, think about our life. If we're living our life that one day I'm going to finally get that carrot, one day in the future, that carrot's going to make me feel complete, that person, that money, that uh, ideal weight. It's like you're chasing an illusion and then you end up at 90 years old or 85 going... What the heck did, was I chasing? You, I remember when I first met you, you used to say to all the time, I'd be like stressed out about something, and you'd say, where are you going? <laughs> I'm like, uh, where am I going? And it was that question of where are we, what is, what is motivating us? And, it, it, and the world is all filled with this extrinsic motivation, and so we have to wake up to know it's there and and maybe it's good to have it a little bit give us our little kick and if we didn't have it at all i don't think mm. we would do anything uh to improve our life but uh but that's not the end end zone it's like realization to know that there's a higher purpose for why we're here not just to gather stuff yeah. <laughs> and, and collect certificates and uh and rewards and uh accolades yeah so from the Jungian coaching perspective, then we would say you don't have free will in the beginning part of your life because mm. you're acting out of conditioning. Mm. But that's okay because that at that part in your life in the beginning, you have to build up an ego mm. and you have to build up this persona, this ability to survive in the natural wor world and in the social world. Mm -hmm. So you need that that conditioning power. In the second half of your life, Young says, your, your objective now, your challenge is to free yourself, to free your mind from mm -hmm. that conditioning, mm -hmm. to transcend that conditioning. And that's where you find yourself. Yeah. That meaning, uh, that kind of uh, purpose in your life mm -hmm. that can only come from that internal search. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's just like those kindergartens, they, they, just to be creative and just to love love life for itself you know that's uh, that's the rewarding fulfillment because then you don't have to wait for the reward to feel fulfilled you're fulfilled right now like the process of painting a picture or writing a song or writing a play or a book that process can be just so uh, life transformational you know like in, in our coach training the process of getting trained is actually the process itself is really not just the end you know it's, it's fulfilling in itself yeah. to understand and um and i think it's really important for people to recognize because you don't want to spend your whole life chasing mirages and that one day when everything you know falls into place there's going to be a moment where everything's perfect and life isn't not that way life is messy and it's full of joy and it's full of pain and it's full of heartache and it's full of love and um we have to take it all and, and love all of it and that's really uh what young talked about in individuation it's not about um making a perfect persona and i'm going to be confident and i'm going to have this great uh, pr presentation to the world and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be uh, generous with my time and help people and save the world. It's about 
also including all the dark mm. parts of ourself that we don't want people to know and that we and accept and love even the parts when we're down and we don't feel like being up or we're sick and we, you know we, we want to like be in our jammies all day or we're we have a tragedy in our life we don't want to keep on a happy face we want to be real that's really the freedom is just to be in life and integrate all those parts instead of just always propping up that persona yeah. And gathering items, <laughs> gathering material items for your yeah. collection. <laughs> yeah, so if you're playing along uh, at home, <laughs> think about what motivates you. Mm. Uh, is it some extrinsic object, money, uh, fame, mm. success, mm -hmm. uh, kind of admiration from mm -hmm. peers? Any of those things, again, there's nothing wrong with them. But if you let those be your sole motivators, you're giving your power away. Because as soon as the circumstances change externally, and they will change. Well, isn't there also a numbing effect of that? Once you get in enough, like if you ate ice cream every day. It yeah, the only thing condition. you can do is increase the the payoff. And that's why people get addicted because they, yeah. they need a, high, a bigger hit, bigger hit. And bigger it's never hit. enough money. It's never enough mm. fame. It's mm. never enough. Uh, and that, that satisfaction, that meaning is not there. Uh, whereas when you when you reach those goals, but from an internal motivation, that that higher purpose, that sense of contributing, of, of developing yourself, mm. it's a very different story. Mm. Right? It leads to happiness. It leads to fulfillment, uh, to creating meaning in your life. I have to say that this year has been, even though with COVID and everything, it's been one of the most rewarding years mm. of, of, of my, for myself of feeling truly connected to our work more than ever before, because it's almost like all the external has been shut down. Like I'd love to travel and go have our live events and we're kind of stuck here, you know, hunkering down <laughs> and having to rethink things and, and who, do, who do we want in our world and who, who, what, what kind of work do we want to teach? And coming from that, you know, true place, it's just, I mean, we've always like loved our work, but I feel like this year has just been so different in, in a deeper way of really appreciating and in that non-attachment because everything's so unpredictable that it's almost like it benefits you to not be attached because then you're open to creativity. When you're too attached, you limit your options. There's no creativity and, um, and you end up just repeating the past. You stay in that comfort zone. Yeah, I would also invite people to think about your habits and try to figure out how they got conditioned into your system. Mm. Uh, and be aware that you, know, you can free your mind. Mm -hmm. You can free yourself from those habits, that habitual responding to life. Um, that there is a way, there is a... We're not trapped in in our circumstances. Mm -hmm. We're only trapped when we don't believe there's any way out. And that that's what I saw in Skinner, that he was being irresponsible in that regards, that he was giving people um, the message that there is no way out of conditioning. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can do is uh, kind of live with it. And from a non-spiritual biological point of view, yeah. I would see if you just saw the, and didn't incorporate the mind or spirit, you would, it would, it would make sense. But we're now having this, we know that there's more to us than just our biology. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, great, great um, topic. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about 
cognitive behavioral. So we're adding, we're, we have the behavior, now we're adding the other le- level of this on top of it, which is a more elaborate way. And this is very common in a lot of coaching models. It's yeah. still just working on the conscious level, but it's how we think and, and act and feel to get results and uh, those patterns in a more complex way. Um, so it'll be interesting to have that conversation next week. So have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for watching, guys. And we will see you soon. Stay well. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions. And join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.